HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Aki Kotayama, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program to my cook guests. My guest today is Daisuke Nakazawa, who is the owner and executive chef of the Michelin-starred Sushi Nakazawa. He opened Sushi Nakazawa in New York in 2013, and his success led to the opening of the second location in Washington, D.C. in 2017. He's also planning to open the third location in L.A. later this year. He's also the owner of Saito, and Izakaya and Sake Bar in Martin's Nolita, which he opened in 2022. And you may have seen Chef Nakazawa in the legendary documentary film Zero Dreams of Sushi on Netflix. And after completing the classic, extremely strict training under Chef Ono, he moved to the US and started a new chapter of his life. So today we'll discuss what Chef Nakazawa learned from his 11-year training at the renowned Sukebashi Jiro and why he moved to the U.S., how he conveyed the traditional sushi culture to a very diverse global audience in America, why he had never changed his menu price since Sushi Nakazawa's opening 10 years ago, and much, much more. But before you start, Japan is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please write a review. We truly appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Chef Daisuke Nakazawa. Hello, Chef Dai. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you, Akiko-san? So I've been very much looking forward to this. Um, you're amazing, you're very successful, and uh, you had a dramatic uh, transformation over your life. So we'll discuss all about it today. So first of all, to get to know you, where are you from? And what did you eat when you grew up? So I come from Tokyo. Uh, I grew up a mother 
home cooking. Uh, which includes the basic steps like a tonkatsu or a steel vegetable. My mother also likes to go out to eat. And she had a passion to find a great restaurant that weren't expensive. Uh, she passed along to me and uh, it would keep similar restaurant I dine. Mm. Right. So you had a colorful uh, cultural food background in Tokyo. So and you started your career as a sushi chef at the age of 19 in Tokyo. So when and why did you decide to become a sushi chef? So uh, in 1998, when I was a high school student, one of my best friends started to apprentice at local sushi restaurant. And we made promise each other to open a sushi restaurant together one day. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we couldn't feel that promise. Uh, I'm a sushi chef still, but he decided to become an electrician. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that's a diverse uh, dichotomy. Okay, so, and, but you worked at the Skiabashi Jiro under the legendary sushi chef, Jiro Ono, for 11 years, which is not just a sushi chef. So, how did you get to work for sushi and、uh, sushi chef, Jiro Ono?、Oh, okay. Uh, I started working at Apprentice at Jiro-san in、uh, 2001.、Uh, they were still a、uh, very famous sushi restaurant in Tokyo, but no like a world famous as now.、Uh, like、I had、uh, their popular book.、Uh, I find a job listing in the newspaper. And I called the restaurant like very nervous, and my hand shaking and sweat pump. Like, this is a, a situation for that, find a job.、Mm, right. So, even in the film,、uh, you were featured,、uh, you made、um, the kind of this famous,、uh, famously important dish that comes to the end of sushi course, which is、uh, egg. Tamagoyaki. And、mm-hmm. uh, uh, you had to practice like 200 times. As a movie, yes, I did. Yes. Right. So, and you passed the test. So, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, what do you, did you learn from your experience at、uh, the Sukiyaba Shijiro and、uh, Chef Jiro?、Uh, I learned a lot of、uh, experience working there, of course, the technique. But more importantly, how to describe hard work, organize, and、uh, be patient. Almost everything I learned from them.、Mm, right. I could guess from the movie, <laughs> it must be very, very strict. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,、uh, okay, so we'll take a quick break here now. And、uh, when we come back, we'll dive into Chef Nakazawa's new life in the US after he left Skiabas Jiro in 2012. So, please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. 
Koin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the Welsh natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Koin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats on HRN, Heritage Video Network. I'm your host, Aki Kotayama, and my guest today is Daisuke Nakazawa, who is the owner and executive chef of the Mission Star Tsushi Nakazawa. You may have seen Chef Nakazawa in the 12, uh, 2012 documentary film, Zero Dreams of Sushi, on Netflix. After the classic, extremely strict training under the chef Ono, he moved to the U.S. and started a new chapter of his life. So let's dive into your new life. So you could have stayed in Japan and successfully had your own sushi restaurant in Tokyo or somewhere else, but you decided to move to Seattle in 2012. So why? Why did you do that? <laughs> So at the end of the 2010, uh, Master Jiro told me, okay, it's time to think your own way. Uh, but at the time, I did not feel truly ready. I had a dream to own the restaurant in Tokyo, but it was not specifically planned. So I, I started deeply thinking of my life and my family future. So I tried many things after that. And I decide to make life fun. I lead a seven habit of highly effective people by mm. the Stephen R. Kobe, which gave me the direction and the inspiration. I started make a dream note on September 11th, 2010. It was not easy, but it's time to figure out. So my dreamy, my, my dream slowly become clear and I find my dream outside of Japan. Then, March 11, 2011, earthquake hit Japan, and my dream needed to start moving faster. Mm. Then I arrived to Seattle on April 15th, tax day, 2012. Mm. Right, so, but, uh, you know, question is, why, why Seattle? Uh, so, uh, I used a chef agent uh, to move to the outside of Japan. And the first offer come from Seattle called the Shiro's. Shiro-san and the Jiro-san was co-worker at, I don't know how long ago, 60 years ago? And they still have a relationship, and I, I feel this is a destiny. Mm, right, and the Seattle, which is... Uh great place uh, to live and also close to, uh, I think, good port to get the mm. ingredients, I, I think. So, yeah. So um, when you started working in the U.S. in Seattle uh, with uh, Shiro-san, uh, Kashiba, Shiro Kashiba, uh, what, how did you find the difference between the U.S. and Japan um, about sushi or <laughs> anything else? Yeah, it's a lot. Like, uh, I started working at the Shiro's on April 20th, 2012. It's a uh, first day I couldn't make California roll. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, also, 
I couldn't read uh, all the come from the printer, like Avaloni, Greedag, Vesnapa, Yellowtail. For me, it's like everything question mark. Mm. So also, I never worked in the Alakar sushi restaurant. I only had a omakase restaurant experience. So I was shocked to see my skill did not help this kind of operation. It was a new world for me, but I worked hard and finally caught up operation after four months. Mm. I still couldn't speak English, only four months. I started to use like eye contact or funny action or performance <laughs> to <laughs> connect with my guests. Yeah, Master Shiro was the best person to learn from. Yeah, mm. I learned many things from him, how to act at sushi counter in the United States. Oh, wow. That's completely different uh, business model. So I'm sure you learned a lot. It was intense first four months. Yeah, I can make a California roll now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find out where, where you serve it. And I want to try your California roll. <laughs> so, and then you opened uh, Sushi Nakaza in New York in 2013 and uh, received multiple accolades, including a Michelin star and a New York Times very rare, four stars, and your success continues to this day. So what happened? Why did you open a sushi restaurant in New York after uh, moving to Seattle? So it was a part of my plan, dream plan. Uh, the plan said I need one step before moving to New York. Like New York is like my one of the goals of the, my dream note. Then my partner, Alessandro, sent me the offer on the Facebook Messenger in July 2012. <laughs> it was just three months after I moved to the U.S. But I didn't speak English. I used Google Translate to communicate. This is mm. the beginning story of Sushi Nakazawa, yes. Oh, wow. So he just uh, out of blue contacted through Facebook's Messenger to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. And, uh, well, I'm so glad it worked out. Um, <laughs> okay, so, and uh, he, and Alessandro, so he stays as a business partner uh, to yes. this day, right? So, sounds like you found a really a good partner. Yes. Um, right. So, um, so, what is the concept of Sushi Nakazawa? And uh, what would you like to communicate to your guests in America as a classically trained sushi chef? So, uh, nigiri sushi and the Western style service are the concept of sushi nakazawa. So, me and the partner use the hybrid nigiri sushi and uh, Western style service and matched New York City dining sense at that time. So, I'd like to, uh, the to experience to my guests. I am, uh, uh, everything included where, where I stand how I position myself at the counter. I care how many extra drops of citrus or garnish each piece of sushi. I care about how to serve like the voice tone or timing, eye contact, or if they're righty or lefty. The mm. service from the front of house, they take care of the detail too. Uh, we try to do like best for the, our service detail and uh, small things makes experience special. 
Mm, right. Um, I uh, visited Sushinagaza a long time ago, and I was very <laughs> impressed. I mean, it's just the, you know, the way you explain how you serve uh, reminds me of a tea ceremony because um, it's all about how you make your guest happy and satisfied at the end of the meal with close attention. But at the same time, I think I thought it was like a theater experience because it's not quiet tea ceremony style service. It's more like a coordinated show. It's not like, you know, um, big show, but uh, something very energetic, quietly energetic. And uh, it was a very uh, festive feeling I enjoyed. So I think you combined classic Japanese hospitality, omotenashi, and also American style kind of. Yeah, style. <laughs> right. Yes, it's amazing. So yeah, so um, you still continue that style in New York and DC and to be in LA as well? Yes, but like a little bit more serious. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not like a funny as before. Yeah. Mm, okay. So I think also uh, we're going to discuss later, but I think uh, the Japanese um, omakase style sushi culture uh, has really thrived in the last, I would say, five, 10 years in New York and other places. So it makes sense that you transform a little bit to be more serious because uh, I think it's just so um important to have that cultural development of sushi. And I see that clearly. Um, yeah, so, okay. And then um, you serve the traditional style of sushi called Edomae, but uh, you would rather call your sushi New York Mae. That I remember, I spoke to you a while ago. So, um, and then, now you probably have you know, DC Mae and LA Mae <laughs> is, <laughs> is coming up. So could you elaborate on the term New York Mae? Versus Edomai. Okay. Uh, Edomai brings uh, like a uh, potential of each fish. All the fish come from the excellent fish market. So Edomai sushi uses the potential of a fish and uh, subtracts away unnecessary preparation of the fish. So in here, fish from the uh, in the U.S. takes more than 36 hours to deliver to the uh, uh, my cutting board. Mm. So already I cannot subtract to some of the preparation. That's why I add a small detail for presentation. Ah, sorry. That's why I add a small detail to the uh, preparation for the each things. The uh, addition just for the uh, taste tab of the New Yorkers. So also we use the local best fish and the ingredients, not just Japanese one. So that is what I call the New York mine. Mm, right. So uh, I think the essence of Japanese uh, cuisine, especially sushi, is really uh, using the local ingredients to the fullest and maximize its flavor and the seasonality. So you, uh, you apply that concept um, based on what's available here and the condition of the fish, and then you add some um, flavors. So 
what kind of flavors do you add um, if you compare uh, your classic style of sushi that you used to make in Tokyo versus? So, for example, like yuzu uh, kosho, uh, basically, Edomai chef don't use for yuzu kosho, right? But, like, I started using for 10 years ago because people like it. Also, yuzu uh, kosho kick the uh, spice kick the people. Mm. Okay, so well, basically, yuzuko show is a kind of a paste, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, salty and peppery, and uh, it's kind of um, it's very kind of flavor use flavor, but also balanced saltiness, and it's really punchy. So that's kind of the accent to elevate the flavor experience. I think uh, it's really good for American palate, right? Yes. Okay. So, and and there's so many extremely pricey sushi restaurants in New York uh, these days, and you can easily pay like four hundred fifty dollars per person. These <laughs> uh, days, I'm real concerned about uh, the sushi uh, being so expensive because it's not so democratic. I want everybody to enjoy Japanese sushi like people can do in Japan, but. Um, at uh, the same time, you have not changed the price of the menu since the opening of Sushi Nakazawa. We, we changed the price mm-hmm. uh, last year, uh, this year. This year? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, last year, that, uh, 20%, yes. Okay, but that reflects. Mm, but under $200 of all this. What's happening quickly in the past five years, <laughs> I would say, is astonishing. So what's your idea of not raising price like other uh, sushi restaurants? So I have four reasons. Uh, the first reason is because Sushi Nakaza is around five times bigger than the, those pricier restaurants. So the second reason is that since the restaurant is larger, I cannot make sushi alone. So I have to have a team. The third reason is a uh, restaurant always open. Currently, Sushi Nakazawa is open seven days a week, lunch and dinner. I cannot mm. work seven days. So <laughs> I cannot be there every day. So when the price higher, uh, customer expect to serve from the chef, the face of the restaurant. And the last reason is so I want to bring out the value. I believe uh, value is the most important reason to come back and keep experience the restaurant again. The customer always look for the value for the experience. That is why I give them experience and uh, more valuable than amount. This is my philosophy too. Mm, right. I, I hope that other restaurants, uh, there are going to be more restaurants like Sushi Nakaza because um, in Japan, it, the quality of sushi uh, is very high and standard. But in, in New York, it's almost like there's nothing in between uh, except mm. for certain, you know, few numbers of restaurants. It's very expensive. Or you just go to, um, you know, deli or supermarket sushi. Or uh, you just go to very casual place. And it's not like dining out on Friday or something you know, for fun, like going to American restaurants. So sushi, I hope to be more available 
like a, as a part of uh, fun dining out uh, life in New York. So, yeah, I hope uh, you're going to maintain the style uh, forever. To yeah, inspire I other try my best. Restaurants. <laughs> right. Okay. And then how do you describe the change in your customer demographics, preferences, palate, and um, the American sushi culture overall since the opening of Sushi Nakazawa 10 years ago? So compared with 10, 10 years ago, so American people are eating more raw fish. So I feel omakase market has grown and since sushi became more common, Americans are open to try more different type of fish. So people start to recognize more detail in the flavors and preparation on the fish. Mm, right. So do you think people are more knowledgeable about which, what kind of, uh, you know, sushi, type of sushi beyond tuna and salmon? Mm, yeah, like uh, they try like new things, like uh, especially like a shellfish. Before, shellfish is, uh, they eat only a couple kinds of shellfish, but now they, they try to more, more, more. It's a change for mm. the 10 years. Right. And probably distribution of seafood uh, may be better than 10 years ago, I guess. Right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right. Mm. Right. That's, that's great. So um, how has your 10-year experience in America changed you? So I have absolute, absolute American culture over the last 10 years. So since opening Sushi Nakazawa, so uh, a lot of uh, important things have changed. For example, I was in Japan, my goal was find the ultimate good taste. But uh, after change the important things, my goal uh, into the creating a total experience. So that's includes for many factors like flavors, uh, customer service, time, value, and more, more, more. So I feel that happiness of my employee is also important. Uh, with all these things in my, I make a total experience with my team. Mm, interesting. That's very interesting. It's almost <laughs> the fundamental difference uh, between traditional Japanese sushi establishment and uh, culture within the sushi restaurants. And uh, it's it's a great contrast. I think both are great, but I'm so glad that you're doing it really flexibly, adjusted yourself to what's demanded in America and you're successfully, obviously, um, you know, striving by offering the value and the quality of great sushi. So, yeah, congratulations. So, um, sushi is delicious and uh, consuming fish is proven to be very healthy, according to plenty of research. So, but on the other hand, we are globally facing the challenges of sustainability. So, mm. how do you try to offer sustainable seafood at your restaurants? So, <laughs> I try to make my sushi, of course, delicious and sustainable uh, by the supplementing white Japanese fish with local seafood and the farm-raised seafood. Mm. So it is a real challenge and I cannot 
make everything sustainable right now, but uh, we will continue to try more sustainable options in the future. Mm. So, for example, what kind of local fish do you think is、uh, good for、uh, serving,、um, making quality sushi?、Uh, local salmon, gray duck, abalone, and albacore tuna,、uh, Spanish mackerel. It's a lot, yeah.、Mm. Oh, that's great. Right. So,、um, do you think you're discovering more、uh, local fish to serve instead of、uh, shipping from? The highest quality, yeah. Like, well, like, a, ne, sometimes, like, local fish need more quality consistency. Mm. Mm. Right, do you think、uh, the quality is improving、uh, in terms of local fish? Yes, some of that, yes.、Mm. Right, okay, so hopefully,、uh, the percentage of、uh, local fish is going to increase because it's, it's good. For many reasons. So,、mm-hmm. yeah, glad to hear you really working so hard on it. So, and you opened Saito in Manhattan's Norita last year, which is not a sushi restaurant. So, what is the concept of Saito and why did you open a non sushi restaurant?、Mm. Oh, so、uh, I opened the Saito because I want to do the help my employees to have a dream. So, Saito's partner, one of the chefs at Sushi Nakazawa. The concept is a kaya with a high quality fish and produce. So, I open a restaurant,、uh, I would want to eat in as well. Yeah. So, the reason Saito is a non sushi restaurant is because it's a new challenge for me. I want to know what would happen if.、Uh, I don't have sushi from the menu, and this is something I am strongly associated with. So, worst case, if this concept doesn't work, so I can always shift to sushi restaurant anytime.、Mm. But I'm just looking at the menu, and、uh, this is something I want everybody in America to know.、Uh, Sushi is not everything, right? Not many <laughs> Japanese people eat sushi every day. And what people eat every day is like seafood salad and、uh, light outsumami and edamame and those light、uh, snacks with sake and the grilled fish, like, I don't know, the kushi, wagyu kushi. And this is so many interesting, delicious, delicious food items that you can really enjoy. Uh, in the same way as you enjoy sushi, that's, it's really featuring the taste of the ingredients. So, yeah, and ice and noodles also. <laughs>、um, yeah, so、uh, what's, what's most popular at Saito? So, right now is a, a tuna,、uh, bluefin tuna leaf. Oh, yeah, so Nakaochi. So Nakaochi is、uh, kind of the <laughs> hidden treasure <laughs> because it's、uh, the kind of like flaky pieces of、uh, flesh of tuna. And、uh, if you are a regular at sushi place, you look for that and ask for the, the sushi chef, like, can I have the Nakaochi? Because that's by the bones, it's like a fubu mami, and that's the hidden、uh, connoisseur's piece. So, yeah, that's great.、Um, and the price is right, and you can just probably enjoy those、uh, small dishes with sake.、Uh, I would say around like $50, $60 per person. 
Yeah, right. a little bit more, but almost. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> it depends on how much sake <laughs> you drink. And <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's really a bargain considering how mm-hmm. much it costs to dine out in New York right now. So, yeah, I'm so glad. And uh, hopefully you can open Saito in more locations. <laughs> so, okay. And uh, by the way, so when are you going to open the um, Sushi Nakazawa in uh, Los Angeles? The mm, uh, end of the, this year, mm-hmm. around this year. Right. Yeah. Wow. So you'll be busy. It's um, all, always a push, push back construction. <laughs> right. Okay. And uh, so, uh, how do you predict the future of sushi and Japanese food uh, outside of Japan? Because you observed a lot of different scenes. People enjoy Japanese food outside of Tokyo, right? So, what's your prediction? So, I feel the market will expand and become more and more vast. So, 7-Eleven has been selling sushi for a long time. Mm. And supermarket, you go sell sushi. Yeah. So, going forward, I feel that sushi will not only spread around America and enter your world. So, this start with Americans making sushi rolls, uh, which is what uh, made sushi popular in the United States. I believe uh, sushi will continue to diffuse each culture and uh, separate all over the, again, mm. all, all over the world, sorry. Right. Yeah, I think uh, if you have good rice and fish, that's sushi, but then you can play with the how you flavor the rice and it just comes into the artist, artistic part of it. So, yeah, I agree. And it's healthy. And uh, uh, you are a great ambassador, obviously. So I'm glad you are here. Uh, you you decided to move out <laughs> and try the adventure and starting with Seattle. So that's great. And uh, so now you are the president of the New York Japanese Restaurant Association. Uh, so tell us about the organization and your mission. So New York JRA is a mission. New York JRA's mission is uh, the Jap- help for the Japanese restaurant in New York and support them. The issue that would impact their business or so Japanese food market educate general public on Japanese food culture. And my mission with the New York JRA is uh, give the Japanese restaurant community future and dream and convenience. Mm-hmm. So I want to make a base so that it's easy to open the startup restaurant or move into some chef want to move into United States, like some kind of things like a, the association can help for the people. Mm, right. Yeah, there are many Japanese restaurants, but um, I think we need a focus, right, to kind of what the tradition is and what uh, the tradition can uh, kind of push the envelope in this country. So I'm looking at the members, you, the president, and uh, like, for example, vice president, that's uh, and Takashi Sato, uh, he joined me because he's a soy sauce Sanjay um, producer. And uh, yeah, it's exciting that uh, those great people join forces and then try to 
kind of define the traditional Japanese uh, restaurant concept, but also it's going to be really a great foundation to, I think, to expand. Like tradition has to uh, evolve, and especially in America, like your sushi restaurant style concept changed. Um, there's so many things this country can um, make Japanese tradition even more fun and interesting. Right. Okay, so what are your plans and dreams beyond LA location <laughs> opening? <laughs> <laughs> so in the next five years, I want to retire from running my business when I'm 50 years old. So after I retire from that day to day operation, so I want to start organization to make an ocean the cleaner. Mm. Uh, also, I want to start a local fish distrib- distribution with sashimi quality fish. Wow. Yeah, even if I retire, I know I will still want to. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Retire, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could be probably busier. I, I can see yeah. it. So people don't let you retire. That's the term, yeah. but... <laughs> yes, but like a day-by-day operation, yes, I, I want to retire. Okay, right. <laughs> and then you take over something new. So, yeah, I, yes. I'm so curious. Uh, yeah, please do keep me posted and I definitely want to support what you're doing. And you can come yeah. back here and talk about your... Okay. What were you doing? So... Great. So, so where can we find your updates online and on social media? So on Instagram. So my handle is at Daisuke Nakazawa, and that's it. Yes. <laughs> and stay tuned on more update on the future of Sushi Nakazawa. Yes. Right. Okay. Great. And uh, the website uh, of your Sushi Nakazawa, the Sushi Nakazawa.com, and um, uh, Instagram Sushi Nakazawa, and also um, Saito. It's a uh, www.nycsaito.com and Instagram saito.nyc. So that's great. Uh, so again, please do keep me posted and uh, congratulations on your tremendous achievement in America. <laughs> so thank you so much. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or kikuatayama.com. Japanese is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Amens Benjamin, and thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Banyeats is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.